Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would. You need a blessing just to be able to stand, okay? Go with me in your Bibles to Mark 10. Real quick, Mark 10. I'm going to read just a few verses to you, and then you can sit down. Mark 10. I'll start at verse 43. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be a servant. So if you want to be great in the kingdom, Jesus says you have to be a servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be the servant or the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Isn't that something? Jesus didn't come and have people serve him. He came and said, how can I serve? And give his life a ransom for many. Amen? My baby girl, Liliana, is coming out here to pray for Daddy. Come on out. Give her a big God bless you. She comes. And uh, she's going to pray for daddy. Okay. Pray for daddy. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Bless daddy. Bless daddy. Help him preach really good. Bless good. Bless the people. Bless the people. Let their heart. Let their heart. Be tender. Be tender. To your voice. To your voice. That their life. That their life. May be changed. May change. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I miss you already. All right, you can be seated. Let's go to work. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all give this worship team a big God bless you. Aren't they amazing? Um, Pastor Franklin says, um, God measures greatness in terms of service, not status. In service, not status. That the world's going to determine your greatness based on how much money you have, on the car you drive or the neighborhood you live in or the homes that you own, but God does not determine your success like that. Uh, Joanne and I determined uh, success for us is serving the Lord, giving God our lives, and that all of our kids, all of our grandkids would spend eternity with us. Come on, amen. And um, actually, if you're in here and you're a grandparent, would you just stand up real quick? If you're a grandparent, would you just stand to your feet? Just you're here. It's not your question. If you're a grandparent, just stand on your feet real quick. Um, do you know it's statistically, it's a statistical fact that if kids have a healthy relationship with their grandparent, um, uh, especially teenagers, they have almost a 0% chance of suicide just because they have a healthy relationship with their grandparent. And I would say, I don't know if they need more medication. I think maybe what they need is a healthy relationship with their grandparent because a grandparent is unconditional love. Somebody say amen. And if, if you're around them, would you just stretch forth your hand to them? I want to pray for all the grandparents real quick. There's some all the way up in the top too. So Father, I just declare right now favor over every grandparent 
in this room. I declare the best days of their life are in front of them. I prophesy that their voice and their influence in their family and in their grandchildren would grow. Father, I thank you for the prophecies that you've spoken over their life and over their legacy. I prophesy that all of their children and grandchildren will spend eternity with them. I speak life, health, and healing into them. They shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And the best days of their life are in front of them, not behind them. The best years of their life are in front of them, not behind them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all the grandparents in here with me today. You know, uh, it's really true that the world likes to measure success on items and things and money and success, but that's not how God sees it. He looks at the heart. He looks at service. And, you know, a lot of people may look at you and think you're not successful by their standards, but you are successful if God says you're successful. And, you know, like the disciples, they were jockeying for position. They were jockeying with Jesus for status with Jesus. And, you know, hey, who can sit on the left side? Who can sit on the right side of you, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom? We want position. We want power. We want to have influence. And Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. He said, if you want to go up, you've got to go down in the kingdom. It was a brilliant answer. He said, if you really want to be successful, if you really want to be great in the kingdom, it's the one who serves everybody. Everybody say service. Jesus didn't say it's the one with the most titles. It's the one who, who people look at and admire, the one with all the titles. That's the person who's the greatest in the kingdom. I would even say don't run after titles. Titles Titles don't make you great. In fact, titles prove your name's not great. God told Abraham, I'll make your name great. See, when your name is great, you don't need a title. The reason you need the title is because your name's not great. Martin Luther King doesn't need a title. Billy Graham doesn't need a title. When your name is great, you don't need a title. You need a title because your name's not great. But God said, if you walk with me, I'll make your name great. Oh, Jesus, that's a word. Everybody just raise a hand right now and say, Jesus, make my name great. Come on, say it like you mean to say, Jesus, make my name great. And that means you're going to have to walk with him. That means you're going to have to put him first. That means you're going to have to serve the Lord. If you serve the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, God will make your name great. It's not running after titles. It's not about trying to have the, the, the praise or the influence of people. It's, it's not what does man think about you. It's what does God think about you. And if you really want to be like Jesus, then you're going to have to be the servant of all. Jesus referred to himself as a servant. And see, the reality is we're all gifted. We're all uh, have been given these gifts and talents and abilities, and God doesn't give you gifts to make you look good. God gives you gifts to make him look good. It's often been sad, said talent makes you look good, but gifts make God look good. That's why we like to do talent shows and not gift shows, right, because we want to look good. But, but God has given you gifts, and anytime you give somebody a gift, especially Christmas coming up and we're all given gifts, but anytime you give somebody a gift and you never use it, you always feel funny about it. Right? You give somebody a picture and then you walk in the house and you're like, hey, where's that picture I bought you? You didn't put it, you didn't put it up, right? Because gifts are given to be used. And when you give somebody a gift and they never use it, you always feel funny about it because gifts are given to be used. Pastors are God's gift to the church. The Bible tells us that. Pastors are God's gift to the church, but the church is God's gift to the world. 
So the next time somebody says, well, who do you think you are? God's gift to the world? Say, well, yeah, actually I do. Think I'm, I'm God's gift to the world. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm God's gift to the world. You are God's gift to the world. And if you're not careful, you will exclude yourself from any area of serving that you feel or deem is beneath you. You, you've got to have a servant's heart. You've got to use those gifts that God has given you to better the kingdom of God, not strictly for yourself. And when you're selfish with that, when you're selfish with your gift, then you will deem all the gifts that God has given you for your own purpose and not for the kingdom of God. The only real way to serve God is by serving his family that he loves. How many of you know Jesus loves the church? Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. People are like, well, I just love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Are you insane? That's like saying you love Pastor Jonathan, but you don't like Pastor Joanne. How can you love me and not love who I would die for? You think Jesus wants you to love him and not his bride? Jesus loves the church. In fact, Jesus isn't even coming back for you. He's coming back for the church. Jesus is building one thing, not five, not eight, not 20 things. He's building one thing. It's called the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is coming back for the church. People go, well, I love, I love Jesus, but I don't like the organization. What do you think heaven is? You think heaven's like you and Jesus on a cloud alone with a heart? Is that, you think that's what heaven is? That's not heaven. That doesn't even sound like heaven to me. I don't want to be on a harp with a cloud and for eternity. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Heaven is leadership. Heaven is positions and authority. And what you will be doing for eternity is determined by what you're doing for God right now. Because all of you, whether you believe it or not, will stand one day at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of God, and you will give an account for your life, and you will give an account for what you did for the Lord. Only what you did for God will you take to heaven with you. Somebody say amen about that. You don't get to take the possessions, the money, the cars. I have done a lot of funerals, guys. I've never seen a U-Haul follow a hearse. You're not going to take any of that stuff with you. Naked you came and naked you shall go. And when you stand before God, only what you did for the Lord will count. And you will give an account to God for what you did for him and the heart by which you did it. We can see people up here singing, but only God knows the heart for why they serve. And God doesn't just look at what you did, but he looks at the heart of which you did it. Did you do it with the right heart? Did you do it for him? Or did you do it to be seen? Did you do it for money? Or did you do it to be, to, did you do it for Jesus? Did you do it because of this person or to, to gain favor with them? Or did you do it for the Lord? Only God knows the heart. When man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the hearts. Only God knows. And you'll give an account to God for it. And the only real way to serve God is to serve him and serve his family. And when it comes to uh, even in Jesus spoke about it, even when it comes to prison ministry. How many of you are glad we've got prison ministry in the vision for the next couple of years? Somebody say amen about that. It's a big deal. Jesus spoke about prison ministry. And for those of you who don't think prison ministry is important, most of the Bible was written from a jail cell. And even Jesus Christ himself was incarcerated. Okay, so, so Jesus cares deeply about prison ministry. And when they asked him, he said, he said, when I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, Jesus, when did we do that? He said, if you've done this to the least of these, 
you've done it unto me. If you serve people, you serve me. If you love people, you love me. If you wash their feet, you've washed my feet. If you fed them, you fed me. If you clothed them, you clothed me. If you visited them in prison, you visited me in prison because God cares about how we serve his family. Because a real servant will make themselves available. A real servant doesn't just, you know, want to be seen, want the spotlight. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, write it down. It says, whenever we have the opportunity, we are to do good. Everybody say, do good. And it doesn't just say when you, when you feel like it. It says when you have the opportunity. When you have the opportunity to serve, it says serve. And it says to do good, especially. Everybody say, especially. Especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to those brothers and sisters that are the household of believers, that we are to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of us at youth camp and kids camp and, and at youth conferences or young adult things, we were so passionate for God and we'd worship God and tears running down our face and say, God, use me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Take my life, my life belongs to you, whenever, whatever, however. And now we're like, yeah, God, my life belongs to you and use me as long as it's on Tuesday between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. But outside of that, you know, my life is mine. But that's not what the Bible says here in Galatians. God never told people, you know, you can become so important that you're beyond serving in the house of God. God never tells us to not serve. It's, it's a part of character development, guys. Serving. Just serving. Build your character. I was telling my son Nicholas the other day because Lilian asked him for a piece of something to make a sandwich. And he got up. He was watching a football game or something. He's like, it's like I'm your servant. And I was like, Yeah. You're her servant. You're here to serve her and all of your siblings and me and your mother. And if that's not enough, we'll go out into the neighborhood and find some more people for you to serve. Because you are here to be a servant. And she is here to be a servant. And all of you are here to serve each other. And mom and dad are here to serve you. And you're here to serve. We are the family of Brozazogs and we serve each other. It's care There's not a parent in here that doesn't want their kid to not be a servant in the family. Come on, parents. You want them to serve. Serve your sister. Serve your brother. You shouldn't walk in here and go, oh, do I got to do that now? Oh, oh. I don't know all the moves they have. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, you're a servant. Serve your brother. You should literally walk into the living room and go, can I get anybody a drink? Does anybody need a drink? Anybody need a sandwich before I sit down and watch the game? I want, I want to just get everybody good. I'm here to serve you. Can I get you anything? Dad, you need anything? Mom, you need anything? Can I take the trash out real quick? Is anything? How's your car? Do I need to clean it up? Look like there were some crumbs in there. Can I get the vacuum real quick and get that for you? Come on, parents. Don't leave me out there by myself. This is the, this is serving. But your kids will never be like that if they don't see it. One of the great, greatest ways you can model service to your children is serving in the house of God. If you model selfishness, you're going to raise selfish kids. Children are terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They're the worst at it. They're just awful, God-awful at it. That's why all day you're like, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I ask you? Didn't I? Because they're terrible at it. They're amazing at doing what they see you do. You don't even have to ask them. They'll just do what they see you do. And if they see you do it, they'll do it. 
But if they don't see it and you have to ask them, well, thank you, Jesus. This is such an amazing sermon. <laughs> you know, God never tells people, you know, not to get physically involved in serving in the kingdom. I've heard it said this way many times, do the little things as though they were great things because Jesus is watching. And the person who is too big to do the little things is too little to do the big things. Galatians 6 and 3, if you think you're too important to help, you're only fooling yourself. You think you're too important to do the work of God. Jesus washed feet, guys. Your savior, your king washed feet. Jesus did kids ministry. They were bringing, they wanted to move the kids away and he was like, no, suffer not the little children to come unto me, forbid them not for such is the kingdom of heaven. He ministered to the kids. Jesus got up early and cooked men's breakfast. Jesus, your savior. Jesus did all kinds of things. He ministered to people that nobody would minister to. He touched people that nobody would touch. He did the things that nobody else wanted to do. See, America was established on this principle. It's a Christian Judeo principle. And America was the first nation in the history of the world to be established on this principle, this Christian Judeo principle, that you gain authority by going under the people. Every other was a king or a dictator or something like that. But America was established that you gain authority over the people by serving the people. That's why every time we run an election, there'll be somebody running for office saying, I'll serve you better than this person. No, vote for me. I'll serve you better. No, vote for me. I'll serve you better. Right? And so they're trying to, they're trying to tell us who will serve us better so that they can get our vote. Do you live in America? Come on, don't suck. Come on. Great. <laughs> Do you live here? Come on, this is right, right? Okay, so, so this is the situation. So, so, so this is the same deal. Like police, whenever, whenever police say, hey, pull over, you're supposed to pull over, and they're supposed to have that authority over you because they're supposed to serve you. Public service officials. That's why when you join the military, they say you join the service. You're there to serve. And so you gain authority over people because you went under people. That's why Jesus has authority over all of us because he got under us. He served us. He gave his life for us. Come on, church. Amen. And you're never supposed to get to that point where you say, oh, I'm too big. I'm too important. I make too much money for that. You know, I, I, I make millions of dollars, you know, or I'm, I'm a CEO. I'm a CFO. I'm this. I'm that. Just so you know, we have CEOs and CFOs and multimillionaires that serve here. We have homeless people that serve here. We have people of every ethnicity serve here. We have men and women serve here. We have young and old serve here. We are the family of God, and nobody is too important to serve somebody. Amen? Nothing's beneath it. You can't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm too important now. You know, I run a big company. That's for the little people to do. I got too many followers on Instagram or TikTok. That's for other people. That's for the people who, you know, you know I'm, I'm important. You know, I make a lot of money or I do this. I got a bunch of education. You know, I got more degrees than a thermometer and I can't be doing stuff like that. <laughs> it's your willingness to do this stuff that you may not seem as important that qualifies you to do the stuff that everybody thinks that's important. Real servants are faithful, faithful, faithful. Are you faithful? Every area of your life that you are blessed in or fruitful, it's because you're faithful in it. Every single one. If your job is doing really well, it's because you're faithful at it. If you got a business and it's, it's really prospering, it's because you're faithful in it. 
Come on. If, if you've got a great marriage, because you're faithful in your marriage. If you've got great kids, because you're faithful in parenting. Every area of your life that is prospering, it's because you're faithful. And the areas of your life that you're not faithful are the areas that you might find yourself struggling in. The Bible says a faithful man shall be blessed. And until you're blessed, God can't prosper you in that area of your life. When people come to our church and they go, I want to be a leader. I go, great, you're in charge of the you ministry. What's that? It's you're in charge of you. We're putting you in charge of you today. And we need to make sure you can get you here on time. And you can make sure you have a good attitude. And if, actually, if anything goes wrong with you, we're holding you accountable. And we're just going to make sure you can lead you before we ask anybody else to come under you. Can you lead you? What do people get when they get you? If, if, if they got you as a friend, what do they get? Come on. If you get me as a friend, you get something. I bring something to the table when I show up. I don't come to dinner with hands. Come on. You get something when you get me as a friend. I decided. That's why I can't have a bunch of friends. Because I, I, I bring something to the table when, I, when I'm a friend. Like, what does your church get when they get you? What do people get? We get an asset or a liability? Oh, Jesus. Somebody, I knew we shouldn't have come today. I told you we shouldn't have come today. God set you up. You got to take it to here. What do people get when they get you? What do you bring to the table? How many people have this culture in your home? That if you live in this house, you add value in this house. Raise your hand if you want that culture for your kids. Raise your hand. No trick questions. Right? I just want to see who I can send Nicholas to live with for a little bit. I'm just, so, so, I'm just kidding. He's great. He's awesome. But, but if you're going to be in this house, you add value in this house. How many people were raised like that? Come on. You don't just come in and eat up everything and drink up everything and make a mess of everything. You live like that with people. They'd be like, when are you leaving? How many more days are you here? My mama taught me if you stay with somebody, make them miss you when you're gone. Make them miss you when you're gone. When you, when, when you leave, they're like, man, I wish Jonathan was here. He was cooking. He was cleaning, taking the trash out. He was doing stuff, setting the table, doing that, fixing this. He fixed the cabinet, did that. Man, I wish he was still here. Make them miss you when you're gone. Not Lord God, I think, thank God they eat up everything. I couldn't afford for them to stay here another day. Ate up everything, drank up everything, made a mess, wouldn't clean up, wouldn't touch a trash bag to save that. Like they allergic to cleaning materials and paper towels. You understand what I'm saying? Like don't be like that. And if you don't want that culture in your house, don't bring that in God's house. Don't bring a culture that you don't want in your own home, in God's home. See, this is a family. This is, this is our home. This is, this is the house of God. Come on, amen about it. Like, like the, I, the, I watch people today, it's like people want a church shop. We shopping, we shopping, we shopping. You know, and it's like they got a checklist of what they shopping for. We, we looking at the worship. It's okay. Oh, kids ministry, I want to get kids ministry. You know, I got something for the teen. I want something for, for the teens. And, you know, the pastor, he didn't preach too long, and so that was good. And so this one, and they, they, they got a shopping list. Uh, and it's like, are you a consumer? Are you really looking at a church for what you can get out of it? And not what you can add to it? Are you really looking for a church where everybody loves you rather than looking for a church where you can love 
everybody? When did, when did the gospel invert? And when in the Bible did it switch to be this like consumer and we're supposed to like entertain and try to sell you? This is insanity. This is not the gospel. The gospel is you're supposed to show up and be like, what are we doing today? Where can I work? Where, where are we here to serve? What, what needs to be moved? I'm here. Let's go. This is the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. That's the family of God. You don't want kids in your house who walk in the house and say, what's for dinner? What are y'all doing? Make this for me. I don't like that. My bed's uncomfortable. I need new Jordans. I don't. You're like, what are you talking about? That's not, a fa- that's not the family of God. You don't want that in your own home. And we're, we're, you have to be cautious that you're not modeling that to your children. That the kingdom of God is the kingdom of service. It's a kingdom of sacrifice. We serve a king who died on a cross, who was beaten and whipped and speared, who died for our sins, who gave his life for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. This is not, we're not trying to entertain people. We're not trying to win your vote. We're not trying to, to, to say, hey, buy our product. That's not the gospel. That's not the church. You should not walk into a church and say, what can this church do for me? But what can I do to serve Jesus here? Where's the Holy Spirit moving? Where is God moving? Where are people getting baptized of every ethnicity and age and men and women? Where is the Holy Spirit moving? I want to be a part of that. Real servants are faithful. 2 Timothy 2 and 2, the Bible says, commit into the hands of faithful men. Everybody say faithful that they may be able to teach others also. What's that mean? It means we can teach you to be able, we can't teach you to be faithful. We can teach you how to run a camera. We can teach you how, to, how, to, how we greet and teach you how to play an instrument. We can't teach you to show up to do it. We can't teach you to have the right heart to do it. That comes out of your relationship with God. Commit into the hands of faithful men so they may be able to teach others also. Can God depend on you? Can people depend on you? Come on. One of the things that I met with our executive team and I, I, we looked at the data and you see people come, are coming back, but churches still in America are, only, are really only half full from what they were, but what they're seeing in, in churches in America are people are coming back, but they're coming back to be entertained. They're coming back and going, yeah, I'm not serving. I used to be an usher, but I'm not ushering anymore. I used to be on worship team, but I'm not going to be on worship team anymore. I used to serve in kids, but I'm not going to serve in kids anymore. And because I'm not serving, I'm really going to be here like once every four or six weeks or eight weeks. So my, my commitment is way down rather than saying I'm coming back to serve the Lord. Because look, even if you're watching me online right now, if, I understand if you don't live in the Twin Cities, but if you live in the Twin Cities, you need to be in God's house physically because you cannot serve the body of Christ while you're at home with croissant crumbs running down your chest and jam on your face and hot cocoa. You can serve yourself. And if you think all church is, is for you to hear some good songs and hear a good word, you're a consumer. You think church is just to entertain you. That's not the purpose of Christ. The purpose of the New Testament church is for us to serve each other, one another. And you cannot serve one another if you're not here. So if we're going to be the church that Jesus died for, we've got to be present to serve one another in God's house. If you believe it, give God a big praise all over this house. 
We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're not the hands and feet of the government. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And we are to do the work of the Lord. And people are saying, you know, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. I used to be involved. I listen to some people and I think, what a sorry testimony that is. Don't say that around my kids. I don't want my kids to hear you. Hear that. Well, you know, I used to be involved. Well, how come you're not involved anymore? Well, you know, we used to be involved. We're not involved anymore. Oh, our old church, we used to really do a bunch of stuff for Jesus. We don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, I used to do kids and teens and worship, but then I got hurt and I don't do it. Is that what you want your testimony to be? That you used to serve God? That you used to be involved in the kingdom? That you used to really be passionate? I want my future to be better than my past. I, the Bible says your latter days shall be greater than your former days. I want the best days of serving Jesus, loving Jesus, uh, honoring Jesus, and being in God's house and God using me. I want that in my future, not in my past. And I came to challenge that today. I came to challenge that story and that testimony. We've all been hurt. If you ain't been hurt, keep coming. You'll, you'll get hurt. And you're going to hurt people. I told all those people who came, 100 people. We just had 100 people. Put my picture up. We just had 100 people come to our, our belong class, our newcomers class, and say, I want to join Creative Church. I want to get plugged in. I want to be involved. They were all right here. Look at 100 people. Yesterday. That was yesterday. All of them signed up for a team to say, I want to serve every one of them. And I said, all of you either have or will be hurt, and you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt people unintentionally. Oh, I meant to call you. I forgot. Oh, I, I totally. How many of you have ever hurt your own family unintentionally? Come on, raise your hand. That's your own family. How many of you have ever hurt your own spouse? Right? How many of you have ever hurt your own, yourself? I bit my tongue the other day. But my God, we need some unity in this head. It's a terrible thing when you bite your tongue. It's awful. It's a feeling of betrayal. And Jesus talked about it. He said many people in the church are going to be like the, the, the foolish virgins with their lamps once were filled with oil. They once burned for God, but they got their eyes off of Jesus. They got their eyes off of him coming back, and they let their lamps go out. And when their lamps went out, Jesus came back, and they were found wanting. More than ever, guys, we need to have our heart passionate for Jesus. What kind of pastor would I be if I said, yeah, don't serve? I don't care if you do anything for God or not. Yeah, get involved, don't get involved, don't matter to me. I don't care. I mean, is that really the church you want? I was telling the teenagers the other day, because I, I was talking about the truth about um, uh, what the Bible says about sexuality and marriage between a man and a woman, how we're telling them the truth, and there's two genders. It's male and female, not 92. I was like, y'all want to make me think I'm crazy. Y'all got 92. The Bible says it's two, male and female, and I'm not ashamed to tell the truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Somebody say amen about it. I said, I'll tell you right now. I said, we're not going to be ashamed to tell the truth in love. We're not going to be ashamed about it. And I said, we've got to serve the Lord more than ever before. Get involved, young people. Don't be just on your way to minister. Minister on your way because God's called many young people to serve God. Some of you are like, well, I'm waiting for God to use me when I'm in my 30s and 40s. Most of the disciples were in their early 20s. Jesus started his ministry at 30. I'm older than Jesus ever was on the planet by a decade. 
God uses young people. Come on, amen. God uses young people, 15, 13, 12, 18. God wants to use young people and quit waiting to think, oh, I gotta be old to be used. No, God wants to use you now in the body of Christ. More than ever, have your hearts focused on Jesus. The Bible talks about, in Matthew, the, the parable of the talents, how he, he gave this one, he gave uh, one, this one, he gave uh, uh, three, this one, he gave ten. Jesus isn't a socialist, by the way. He didn't give everybody the same. Everybody didn't get the same amount. He gave them according to their ability. Their ability. What can he trust you with? This one, he gave one. Well, how come you only gave him one? And Jesus gave this guy one, and he came back. He came back. And the thing about it is Jesus got onto this guy. Basically, he did everything but cuss him out. He's like, you wicked, lazy, slothful, no good. <laughs> Told this guy off. For those of you who think Jesus was, Jesus wouldn't say it like that. Okay, all right. I'm going to do a sermon called The Real Jesus and let you know how Jesus would deal with you. Jesus was, y'all would have left Jesus' church. I'm just telling you. This guy died. This guy's dad died. And he asked Jesus if he could go bury his dad, like miss church to bury his dad. And Jesus is like, no, like he's dead. Like, is he going to be any less dead on Monday? He's dead. Let him bury himself. We have church. <laughs> That's what Jesus told that guy. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. If I did that to you, you'd be like, this church is a cult. That guy's wicked. I'm never coming back here again. That's what Jesus told that guy. I would never tell you that, by the way. I mean, the real, the real Jesus, I mean, he was, he was really, you know, intentional, and he was really blunt, but he told them the truth. And Jesus took this talent from the one guy who did nothing with it. He said, give me your talent, and he gave it to the guy who was investing his talents. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if you don't use the gift that God gave you, God could take it from you and give it to somebody who will use it, because God's trying to advance the kingdom not just what you're passionate about, but what he is passionate about. And you need to align your will with his, your passions with his, and use, use your gifts for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. This is an amazing sermon. I feel like I'm crushing it right now. Real leaders are not self-promoters. They don't need to have the spotlight. Matthew 6 and 4, uh, he says, Jesus said, whatever you do in secret, God will reward you openly. If you serve me in secret, nobody saw it. Nobody honors you. Oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, you're so amazing. We need you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're, so, you're such a blessing to the ministry. If nobody says that, God says, I saw it. I saw what you did, and I will reward you. You don't need to worry about people praising you. You don't need to worry about people rewarding you. God says, I will reward you openly in front of my Father in heaven when we are not ashamed to serve the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, write it down. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, throw yourself. Everybody say, throw yourself. Throw yourself into the work. Everybody say, work. See, some of y'all can't say it. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The work. Of the ministry. Oh, like all y'all want us to do is work around here. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to, 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 you know, like, oh, I don't want to say the W word. No, I, we want you to work for the Lord. It says, throw yourself into the work of the master 
confident that nothing you do for him will ever be a waste of time or effort. You're never going to serve Jesus and it's a waste of time. You're never going to give time or money or anything to the work of the kingdom and it not bless you in this life and in the life to come. Throw yourself into ministry. When I was a kid, I threw myself into ministry. I've done so many things, kids and teens and, 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 and men's ministry and, and, and feeding homeless people and clothing people and uh, missions work. And, and I was a state youth director here and we did youth camps all over the Twin Cities and outreach and young adult ministry and choir ministry and organization and pastoring, evangelism. Just throw yourself into the ministry. Some people are like, well, I don't know if that's exactly where I want to serve. Just serve anywhere. The Bible says whatever your hands find to do, do that. Just do that. And do that with all of your heart. Do that as doing it for Jesus. Do it with that kind of attitude. Do it as if you were literally doing this for the Lord. Well, I don't know if that's exactly where I want to serve. It's easier to steer a car when it's moving. It's easier for God to move you and direct you as long as you are moving forward. How many people can just agree with me, no trick question, that Jesus didn't die on a cross, raised from the dead for you to do nothing? Raise your hand if you agree with that. He didn't die for you to do nothing. So if you're doing nothing, you're out of the will. Because he didn't die for you to do nothing. It's not his plan for you to do nothing. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. And even the apostle Paul it's just encouragement. Even if your gift is encouragement. I was in here yesterday, and so many people, they were finding out their spiritual gifts. That's one of the things you do at Belong, is you find out your spiritual gifts. And they were looking and going, oh, I got the gift of encouragement. I got the gift of exhortation. I got, I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. Oh, I have the gift of prophecy. And, and we were going around celebrating the gifts that are amongst the people. And, and if your gift is to encourage, encourage people. Encourage them. See, in the Old Testament, if we were under Old Testament um, uh, beliefs, then in the Old Testament, none of you could do anything in God's house. None of you. None of you were allowed because you're not a priest. None of you could do anything. Don't touch that. You're not a priest. Sit down. Nope, you can't go in there. You can't go in there in the presence of God. You go out here. We'll come out and tell you what God said. You don't come into God's presence. Only the priest goes in God's presence. Only the high priest. That's how it was in the Old Testament. You didn't have any authority. You just, you just did what the priest told you to do. You didn't get to serve. God didn't speak to you. He spoke to the priest. The priest would come tell you what God said. Okay? That's how it was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is called, as Paul refers to, the priesthood of believers. That we are all priests. That we are all ministers unto God. All of us. How many people think that's a good thing? Come on. You think it's a good thing? Great. So you hold yourself as a minister to the same standard you hold me to. So if I can't do it on Friday night, <laughs> if you don't want to see me doing it, I just think it's inappropriate for Pastor Jonathan. Yeah, it's inappropriate for you too. Well, I just don't think pastors should post that. And the same reason you shouldn't either. And I can't say everything I'm thinking of. I just, <laughs> whoo, let it go. Just, whoo, Jesus. You are a minister. Do you hear me? 
You are a priest unto God. You have access to God. You go into the presence of God. You, nobody else, you, you, you are a minister, a priest. The things that I would do that you think are rude, if you do it, it's rude. If I'm the last one in here and the first one out and I talk to nobody, you're like, that's just rude. Pastor never talks to nobody. Exactly. If I came and sat down in this empty chair right here and sat next to all of you people in church and got up and walked out and didn't say none to y'all, you're like, I can't believe Pastor just sat there the whole service, didn't even talk to me at the end, just, just walked out. How can you come to church every Sunday and sit next to people and not even ask their name? Not even just get up and walk out. This is not a movie. Yeah. Come, um, come on, God. this is not like we just went to the movie theater, you know, peace, I'm out. We're a family. It's the equivalent to, for me, to me, like going to your house and just sit in your living room for a couple hours and then just get up and walk out. You're like, what are you doing? Did you just walk in our home and speak to nobody and just eat up everything and drink up everything and kids made a mess and just walk out? This is a family, guys. This is our home. Speak to somebody. If you got the gift of encouragement, here's an idea. Encourage somebody. And I don't know if you're waiting on like a certificate or like a stamp or something. Or you want me to do some like religious, you know, like kind of thing or get water and throw on you. Or I don't know what you want me to do. But, you know, I'm empowering you to love people and to like encourage people and to pray for people and to serve people. And if you need a certificate, I'll make you one, but, but let, let's be the body of Christ. Like, let's serve each other and love each other as Christ served us. This is the church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, I'm almost done. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, put it on the screen. This is my job description, if you want to know what it is. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, apostles, Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and their responsibility is to equip people for the, oh, there it is again, that W word. The what? The work of building up the church as the body of Christ. That is not one person's job to do everything for everybody. You know, the average size church in America is 70 people, and they pick somebody, and I, I, that, you know, that person becomes the secretary, the kids' ministry, the team ministry, vacuum cleaner, maintenance person, choir director, marketer, web developer, graphic person, discipler, marrier, barrier, counselor, hospital visitor, preacher, teacher, and that one person, and then they get frustrated with that person, fire them, and then they find another person to kill, and then they do that for a couple years and find another person to kill. And that's why 1,500 pastors every month in America quit. Because most churches function this way, and this is not how Jesus designed it. Jesus didn't design it for one person to do everything. Jesus designed it for all of us to be ministers, all of us to pray for each other, to love each other, to encourage each other, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's why many of you have the gift of pastoring. You have the gift of evangelism. You have the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of encouragement. And God gave you those gifts to be used in the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. Come play something for me. Are you a servant? Are you a servant? Paul introduced himself in Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to introduce yourself to me, hi, I'm Jonathan, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, I'm not, if anybody could say they were an apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, a pastor, anybody, if there was any title that anybody could use, Paul could have done it. 
But Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I want to be known as a servant. You know, his greatest fear was that he would be, you know how you have those, anybody when they grew up had those curio cabinets? It was like, you know, your mom would have the expensive dishes and she'd put in that, come on. Yes. That cabinet, it was like a, like a dish museum. <laughs> right? It's like, you know, this is a museum of dishes. You can't touch them. You just look at them. And, and Paul's greatest fear is that he would be a vessel that is put in there. Like, it's admired but never used. He's like, please don't look at me like that. Don't, don't treat me like that. He said, I want to be that Kool-Aid stained plastic pitcher that, that got a little too close to the stove once and is a little warped on the side. And nobody thinks it's worth anything and nobody thinks it's valuable and nobody thinks nobody would ever admire it or put it in a fancy cabinet. But it's used. Like all the time. And it got hurt and it got wounded and it got scarred and it got stained and it got tore up and it got thrown on the floor and kicked and it got, it just got all kinds of things happened to it, but it got used. It got used. And some of you have been hurt and you're like, I don't want to be used because I'm scared I might get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Like the, the pictures and the vessels in your home that you use all the time have the most scars. They have the most marks. They have the most stains. They have the most things wrong with them. Now, we can treat you like the vessel that's never used, and we can put you in a cabinet so nothing ever happens to you. But you're not going to be used. Do you want to be admired or do you want to be used? I want to be used. I want my life to be spent for the kingdom of God. I'm going to get hurt. I know I'm going to get hurt. I know I'm going to get abused. I know I'm going to have people talk about me. I know I'm going to have people dislike me. I know I'm going to have people say things about me that have never met me. I know that that's, I know that. And I'm willing to have that happen to be used. To have purpose. You saw people get in this baptism tank and they said, I want purpose. I want purpose in my life. Money won't fill it. Relationships won't fill it. People won't fill it. Boyfriends, girlfriends, sex, addiction, money, drugs, none of that will fill it. Only Jesus can fill that void. And when you say, I want purpose in my life, I just want to be used. I can't promise you you won't be hurt. I can't promise you you won't get dropped. I can't promise you you won't get stained. I can't promise you that you won't be the pitcher that got a little too close to the stove. And I can't promise that. What I can promise is you can be used for the glory of God. And whatever your gift is, some of you have the gift of, of exhortation, pastoring, teaching. Some of you also have the gift of giving. I heard a story just the other week of a pastor who met with a businessman in his church, multimillionaire. This family had funded a lot of the ministry in the church over the years, built homes and, and done things. And, and he said, I just want to meet with you, pastor. And he met with him. And, and the pastor could just tell something was bothering him, you know, and he's like, you know, what, what's going on? Talk to me. He's like, I don't know. I'm just, he's like, what, what's going on? What's, what's bothering you? He said, pastor, just tell me. Tell me I'm not crazy. He said, what do you mean? He said, tell, me, tell me I'm right not being ashamed. He said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? He says, he says, God's given me the heart to give, and I love to see. I love to see what God's doing in our church. But, you know, when I meet with my finance people, they'll tell me I'm crazy for giving. I meet with certain business coaches, they'll tell me I'm insane for investing in orphanages to see orphans. 
that I'm crazy to want to give to build a ranch to see people come out of addiction and be recovered in Christ. That I'm insane to write checks to see people in the prison come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Pastor, tell me that I'm not crazy when I write checks to see us buy a bus so that we could save babies from being aborted so that the mom could see the baby in an ultrasound. And I just came today to tell all of you, you're not insane for loving Jesus. Don't let this world make you think you're insane or that you should be ashamed for serving God, for loving God, for giving to God. We live in a world that wants to make you ashamed or make you think that you're insane or you're, you've lost your mind for giving or loving Jesus. And I came today to tell you that's not the case. The Lord loves you and everything you do for him. The Bible says it in Matthew that every, let me just read that last verse to you before we pray, just because it's, I think it's the best verse of the, of the day, Matthew 19, 21. And anyone who has left houses, anybody who's given their house, or brothers or sisters, some of you have given up relationships. Some of you right now could be out with sledding down a hill with the kids. You could say, well, you know, we want to do that with the kids. We're not going to be in God's house today serving or we're going to do this. I'm not saying neglect your family. I'm not saying that by any means. But what I'm saying is when you make time where you could be doing other things and you make it a sacrifice to be in God's house, you choose to say, we're going to serve God. This is what Jesus says. He says, anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, which is profit or work for my sake. Hey guys, it says they will receive a hundred times reward a hundred times in this life and in the life to come. How many of you think that's a good blessing? Come on, amen. How many of you want a hundredfold return on your time and your money and your investment? And I just want you to know, as we get ready to pray over this offering today and close, that every person who serves in this church, Joanne and I are praying that God give it back to you a hundredfold. Every dollar that people give, and I'm proud to say, guys, our vision builders have pledged. We have over $1.2 million pledged for this offering. Can somebody say amen about that? $1.2 million pledged. And, um, you know, everybody got an envelope on the way in. If you want to give that way, you can give that way, or you can give online. But what we've asked everybody to do is to just do their best today. Do your best today. And over the next 12 months, as God blesses you, Ask God to say, God bless me so I can give my dream. How many of you, if God was to bless you over the next 12 months, you'd say, I want to be a part of giving to the vision here that God's giving creative church. And, you know, it's a vision of telling the truth. Everybody say, tell the truth. And putting all the shame on the devil. It's a vision of our marriage conference, our young and creative conference at Bethel University, our kids camp, our outdoor spaces, our creative studios, our prison ministry giving to the nation of Israel so we can see bomb shelters be built to literally save kids' lives, partnering with Christine Kane with A21 to help end sex trafficking, our creative ranch to see victims overcome sexual addiction, and an ultrasound bus to save babies. Because it's a statistical fact that if a mom can see or hear the baby, there's a 90% chance she will not abort it. And I'm proud to say we're bringing back Sunday school. Sunday school's coming back. And Pastor Joanne's gonna come out and pray with me. Come on, Pastor Joanne. 
Give her a big God bless you as she comes. It's my baby's mama. And we're going to pray over this. And we're believing, um, you know, one point, it's 1.2 million now. I'm believing for even more to help fund this. Um, and some of these things we're going to, you know, as the money comes in, we're going to start funding them. You know, we get to present the vision, but you guys decide the pace at which that vision becomes a reality. And as that comes in, we're going to fund this vision that God has given us. And I'm proud to say, I am proud to say in, in 18 years, every time we have come before the church, once a year, every year, everything we've ever said we were going to do, we've done for the glory of God in 18 years. To God be the glory. Amen. There was a time we were in the high school. And for 10 years, 10 years, I told the church, we're going to get a building one day in Maple Grove. And I told them that for 10 years. It took us 10 years to get here. Uh, $12.5 million here is the first church built in this city in 18 years. To God be the glory. And you're sitting in a miracle today. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to pray over this. And this was one of the things that was big on Pastor Joanne's heart, which is Sunday school. And we're, we're kicking it off January 9th for four Sundays, kids, teens, and adults, and we're gonna be teaching on prayer. Somebody say amen about that. We want the whole family praying together, and it's gonna be 4.30 to 5.30. We're gonna do it here, no worship. We're not gonna sing any song. We're just gonna get in for an hour, a solid hour of Bible study. Somebody say amen about that. We're bringing Sunday school. Raise your hand if you went to Sunday school growing up. You learned about God. Yeah, we need to teach. We gotta teach the Word of God. So stand with us all over the house. And just, just give us two minutes. We'll have everybody out of here. You'll be first in line at Old Country Buffet. You'll still make it. Amen. Um, but I want to pray. We want to pray this over your life. And if you are here today and you're like, Pastor, ah, you were talking to me about serving. I need to get involved. You can text Creative Church to 81411. One of our leaders, our staff will reach out to you, get you plugged in. Maybe you used to be plugged in and you're like, I've just, I need to get reconnected. People need you. The kingdom needs you. And so send that text. Just send Creative Church to 81411. Let us help reconnect you to the body of Christ. Or if you're new, go to Belong in the lobby. Sign up. My wife and I will be out in the lobby. We want to meet you and connect with you. If you're giving through an envelope, list it. it most people are giving online. Um, if you go online, you'll see vision uh, offering. You can just give to that. But let's all lift one hand. Let us just pray a blessing over you today. Amen. Now say it like you mean it. Say in Jesus' name, I sow a seed of faith into good ground. Let it bless the kingdom and let it bless my life. I now rebuke every spirit of debt, lack, want, poverty, sickness, disease, shyness, low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts I now release favor creativity wisdom insight revelation thought knowledge health prosperity courage over my family over my children over my life I prophesy all of my children all of my grandchildren will spend eternity with heaven with me and all of these items all of the vision will be fulfilled and funded in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big praise.
Come on, church. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today online. I pray that this sermon blesses your heart and your life. It touches your heart. I want you to know that Pastor Joanne and I love you. We pray for our online church and anyone that watches this sermon, share it with someone. You know, I want to ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you know of anyone that this, this sermon would bless, please share it with them. I want to say thank you to all of our vision builders and everyone that's given to help fund the vision here at Creative Church. You know, we could never do it without you as we give to fund the ultrasound bus to save babies, our creative ranch, helping orphans in Guatemala and giving to build bomb shelters in Israel, all of the conferences and projects we want to do here at Creative Church, helping free victims from sex trafficking, our ranch uh, to, to see people uh, have addiction recovery in our prison ministry, all the things uh, is because of your generosity. And I just want to say thank you for giving to the Lord and uh, and thank you for helping us impact lives. We love you. We're praying for you. If you want to get plugged in and connected here at Creative Church, go to Belong. It's our newcomer's experience. And uh, that's where Joanne and I can get a chance to know you and connect you to the team and the family here at Creative Church. Or if you want to get plugged in and serving, text Creative Church to 81411. We love you. We're praying for you. Thank you for everybody again who gave in our vision offering. You can do that by going on our website or our app and giving. We love you. Have a blessed week. We'll see you real soon.